Welcome, friends, fans, and colleagues. Uh, welcome to Voices of the Sacred Feminine today uh, on this special show uh, celebrating Ostara uh, or Easter. Um, I want to thank you for tuning in today. And um, if you liked that music opening the show, that was uh, Abigail Spinner McBride, uh, an incredible musician. Uh, I, I believe she might still be based out of Las Vegas, and that was her uh, a snippet from her single called Let the Way Be Open. So I hope wherever you are, um, you are doing well. Uh, strange times we are living in, strange times. But, um, you know, I am honestly heartened that uh, when we come out on the other side of this, that this experience will have changed many of us in an incredibly good way. Uh, I've been listening to inspirational talks from some of the people that I respect, and uh, they are really validating a lot of the thoughts that uh, I've been having since uh, this uh, pandemic has struck the world. And, um, you know, not unlike the uh, evolution that occurred after the Black Plague or the Black Death, uh, so many good things came of it. Uh, I think it will be no different from this. Uh, you know, people have so much downtime right now, or at least, you know, many more people have so much downtime right now. Uh, they're thinking, contemplating, reflecting. And uh, I think that's a good thing because, you know, generally when we're in that uh, um, that hamster wheel of everyday routine, we don't think, we don't reflect. Uh, we just go, 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 go because uh, we got to uh, hurry up, get up in the morning, go to work, uh, you know, put in our eight or ten hours, uh, maybe even our twelve hours. Uh, we rush home, uh, shove some dinner into our mouths, go to sleep, and we start uh, the wheel. You know, again the the next day. Uh, but now with this with this downtime, you know, we can look ourselves in the mirror. We can think about the world we're living in. We can, um, you know, we have the space to. Uh, really look at uh, what works and what doesn't work. Um, you know, who is keeping the world running uh, and who is contributing nothing. Uh, you know, I, I oftentimes think that, um, you know, the people out there making minimum wage or less uh, that are, um, you know, delivering our food, that are, um, you know, picking the... Uh, uh, you know, picking the fruit, sewing the masks, uh, you know, sanitizing uh, the the subway station, uh, picking up the trash, you know, the people who make less than minimum wage, who are living paycheck to paycheck, um, you know, they're the ones that are, uh, you know, keeping us afloat uh, so that we can stay home and shelter in. Uh, you know, it's not the CEO um, who's paid ungodly amounts of money, you know, more money than they can ever spend in a lifetime. You know, we really have to think about all of this. And, um, you know, as I sit here from our mountain home and it's a beautiful day outside, I can actually hear the birds singing and, uh, you know, there's snow on the mountain peaks and, uh, you know, we can see quail and rabbits running to and fro. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm in a hopeful place in spite of everything 
going on. And I hope um, you will have the opportunity to um, maybe see the gift in this. I hope that doesn't sound callous. Uh, but so often we're given lemons and, uh, you know, we realize that we can make lemonade of them. We, there really is a gift in the challenges of life. And uh, just like the Black Plague uh, changed so much for humanity, it created the middle class, it started humanism, uh, people got healthier, it was the end of feudalism, um, you know, there was freedom of thought. Uh, you know, this is going to change a lot of things, too. We just have to, you know, hang in there and uh, ride this out. And, uh, you know, as I like to say, you know, don't, uh, don't ride it out in white-knuckled fear. Instead, ride it out as an adventure, you know, because the world we want, uh, many of us, I believe, will see in our lifetime. And, uh, you know, and, and I believe... Uh, you know, as Michael Moore said, you know, no, come November, people will crawl through shards of glass to change the person in the White House. And, um, you know, I think that's true. So anyway, let's uh, go ahead and get on to today's uh, message. Uh, as I promised at the beginning of the year, I was going to bring to you the messages of um, uh, inspiration and uh, the meditations from my book, Goddess Calling, uh, which I am glad to say has been endorsed by some of my mentors, uh, Selena Fox, Barbara Walker, uh, Isadora Forrest, uh, Jean Houston. And, um, uh, you know, I, I wanted to uh, bring something uplifting and relevant, and uh, even though this was published a few years ago, uh, I believe it is still relevant. And today's talk uh, is uh, called Balance in All Things. We're going to be talking about Kuan Yin and Isis and Tannen and a few of the other goddesses. And when we're done here, uh, we're going to have a, a Kuan Yin healing meditation. And uh, if all goes well, and uh, I remember <laughs> uh, by the time we're at the end of the meditation, I'm going to treat you uh, to something special from Lane Redman. You know, before she passed away, she was on the show a number of times and uh, uh, gave me permission to share uh, some of her work and music. And um, I, I'm going to be sharing, um, you know, the B mantra. Uh, of Lane Redmond's with you, uh, at, you know, at the end of the show, uh, you know, because after all, it is spring. So uh, hang in there with me, get comfortable, grab a cup of tea, glass of wine, whatever, um, and just uh, kind of sit back maybe with your eyes closed and, uh, you know, give this a listen. Okay, and this is Chapter 4 uh, from Goddess Calling, Inspirational Messages and Meditations of uh, Sacred Feminine Liberation Theology. That's the title of the book, and that's just a fancy way of saying Goddess Values Sets Us Free from the Shackles of Patriarchy and Predator Capitalism. So here we go, Chapter 4, Balance in All Things. 
Today's message is about balance in all things. We could talk about the discipline to bring balance to your body and mind or in your personal life and in the context of the season. But instead, I want to talk about how our world being out of balance is a violation of goddess ideals and suggest to you even an archetype like Kuan Yin is associated with justice, boundaries, and peace. I'd like to show how she is calling us to action to right the imbalances of the world if we go a bit deeper behind her sacred veil and examine some aspects of the Kuan Yin archetype beneath the surface, hidden, you might say, in plain sight. Goddess, you might say, becomes the great equalizer. What comes to mind when you think of Kuan Yin, mother of compassion? She's often associated with the Taoist, Tian Hao, who has a temple in San Francisco, known for her caring mercy and for saving men lost at sea. She's closely associated with Isis, who also hears the prayers of her devotees, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, who's the intercessor between humans and God. Remember those apparitions of Our Lady known to appear in places like Lourdes, calling humanity to peace? I think I felt the full potency of Kuan Yin energy when I was in Japan and met her counterpart, Canon, at the Sanju Sangento Temple, where there were 1,001 statues of Canon, each capable of 33 aspects, resulting in 33,033 manifestations of the Bodhisattva residing there. I remember when I saw her for the first time, I didn't particularly relate to Kuan Yin or Canon. I was there on a fact-finding mission researching my first book, Sacred Places of Goddess, 108 Destinations, and my appearance there was mostly business. To my surprise, Canon got hold of me when I walked into the temple. The music, the incense, her energy just enveloped me. Now I've been in many a temple, but there was something alive there. I was totally taken by surprise. I was captivated and in awe of her. I wanted to literally throw myself on the ground in front of her, but I felt silly and stopped myself because the room was filled with tourists. It was one of those moments you never forget, and it was one of those connections that makes you a believer. She is alive and out there. So let's begin to see Kuan Yin in our mind's eye. She's an Asian goddess who wears flowing robes. She's usually tall and slender, sometimes nude or barefoot. Women turned to Kuan Yin when they were on the birthing bed or in their struggle for freedom and recognition. It was she who would bring their husbands back from war or the sea. It was believed she could understand their struggle, pain, and suffering, and she lent them needed strength, love, and compassion. She can be seen sitting on a lotus flower, a fish, an elephant, or a lion-like beast. Her image can also be one where she is nursing a baby or holding a child. Her symbols are a scroll of truth, a jar of healing water, a spray of willow representing womanhood. She's often depicted with her feet on a dragon. The numbers vary widely, so let's just say she has 33 manifestations and 11 heads, enabling her to hear and see the cries of the needy and to answer their prayers. 
She also has a thousand hands in which she holds a vase containing a mitra or the dew of compassion, which she pours forth upon humankind to extend life, cure, and purify the body, mind, and speech. Cannon held objects, too, to fight off all manner of misfortune that might befall humanity. A rosary, trident, sword, lotus, bow and arrows, axe, mirror, wheel, bell. I couldn't help but think of the female warrioress in the movie, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I think when patriarchy allows us to glimpse the sacred feminine, it wants us to see a very narrow and limiting picture of goddess we might feel we must emulate in order to serve man or patriarchy's authoritarian god. She's demure and mutable, a woman out of balance and not in touch with her own power. Sure, they approve of the nubile sex goddess here for man's pleasure or the giving mother without personal boundaries to protect herself the healer wiping the nose of the sick child or the tears from suffering eyes or the crone who dedicates her time to keeping the church altar clean. We're allowed to have the great mother in our spiritual paradigm if she's docile and tame like Mary or as the goddess that saves women in childbirth or men from bombs and typhoons. But would patriarchy have us reclaim the full meaning of the queen mother of compassion or any goddess if it meant embodying her might bring our world into balance and emulating her cause women to no longer serve the status quo? If we saw beyond the dew of compassion and the rosary and evaluated what else is hidden in plain sight, if we looked at her axe, bow, and arrow, sword, and trident as tools or metaphors of resistance, if we interpreted why she holds the bell or has her feet on a dragon or has one of her symbols the scroll of truth. I think looking more deeply at goddesses like Kuan Yin or Canon might make the patriarchy very nervous. Kuan Yin energy is not merely that of an obedient consort or spouse, a healer, servant, or helper of God and man. She is no Stepford wife, passive, sexless, docile, tame, and complicit in her own oppression. No, she's armed, literally and metaphorically. She's also fierce compassion with the power to protect, defend, be activated and motivated. She holds truth important, a thing more valuable than gold. Truth, something many would keep from you because the truth there is wisdom because in truth there is wisdom, knowledge, and power. In the light of truth, darkness, injustice, and oppression cannot thrive. The ringing of her chimes cuts through the din of chaos, bringing forth clarity for critical thinking so you might not be held hostage, duped, and led astray. And what of her weapons, the bow and arrows, trident, axe, and sword? Well, goddesses have long held weapons and instruments of change and activation. Isis's sistrum kept the energies of the universe flowing. What of Mary's role of intercessor, one who actively intercedes? Does this not clearly tell us we must be ready, willing, and able to stand up and wage peace? We must be warrioresses and activists for her ideals, fairness, justice, equality, and partnership. No more than we can find a job by just praying and thinking positive thoughts can we be serious about changing the world without being activated and motivated. 
Just as we must send out resumes and network for a job, we must rally and ally with the like-minded if we want to change the world. We must gather all our resources, both on the magical and mundane spheres, to empower ourselves and manifest the world we vision. Use Kuan Yin's sword to cut through the doubt until you find certainty. Shifts do happen. Remember, once Christians met in living rooms and look at the influence they have become on Mother Earth. Shifts, dreams, and visions become realities with proper action, intention, support, focus, and fierce compassion. As we are called to be a way shower, foremother, defender, healer, or warrioress, that is our axe, bow, and arrows, trident, and sword. What is our axe, bow, and arrows, trident, and sword? How do we go forward in the world blazing a trail with our pink-handled machete? What are our weapons? I say to you, our weapons are many, and we need them all, because patriarchy will not just roll over and die because we will it, because we pray for it, because we think positive thoughts. Our books of knowledge are our weapons, because knowledge is power. Has not patriarchy tried their best to keep knowledge of goddess and women's natural leadership and spiritual authority from us? Intuition is our weapon. Women intuitively know how to birth life, nurture, and multitask. They are the glue keeping homes, businesses, and organizations going. If women stopped serving the status quo, if they stopped volunteering tomorrow, how many would collapse? Our voice is our weapon. Has patriarchy not tried to make us content and satisfied being subservient and our power diminished? We must all find our sacred rage and our sacred roar and let our wisdom and intellect reverberate out across the ethers to be heard by all. Our written word is our weapon, for the pen can be mightier than the sword. Each of you sitting out there has changed her life, not at the point of a dagger, but because of the information you have no doubt read or been taught. Our tenacity and strength are our weapons. Any woman who has birthed or raised a child, had a book published, started an organization, manifested a temple, they all know the strength, courage, and determination women possess. Remember, women, we do 80% of the work around the world, even if under patriarchy we only earn 20% of the assets. Our weapons are our innate ability to intuit, to love, to nurture, to support our sisters, to tend and befriend in times of stress. We must begin to stand together shoulder to shoulder, thinking of the us and the we, not the I and the me. Our weapon is the wisdom we embody and the power of the life-affirming creatrix, while patriarchy is the obsolete and forceful destroyer. We must remember who we are. You know, this is just a short list, and I'm sure you can no doubt think of many more weapons in our female toolkit or arsenal. The Dalai Lama said it would be Western women who would save the world. He's close to being right. It will be humankind shifting toward the ideals of the sacred feminine and eco-feminist spirituality that will save the world. It will be women and our like-minded brothers finding their sacred roar, uncovering forbidden knowledge, living, writing, and teaching their wisdom and truth, standing in their power as leaders, and fighting for their values. All that will shift consciousness. It must be all that. Coming together like a delicious stew, 
which will make it so. All this sounds fine and good in theory, doesn't it? But how does recognizing Kuan Yin or Canon as a tenacious, kick-ass warrior goddess orn with not just compassion but her weaponry help us today? How is it relevant? How do we apply it? Well, let me help you connect the dots. First, like Kuan Yin, our community is multi-armed and has many heads, eyes, and hands. We must be multitaskers because the dominance and force of patriarchy has left us with much to correct. There are many vital causes that need attention. There's not just one task that needs correction. And fortunately, many of us are called to serve on different paths. You might feel called to teach classes and write books. Be an environmental or animal rights activist. Use your sacred roar via, via some form of media. Raise goddess-aware children or grandchildren. Work as a healer or in, a, or in hospice care. Become a sacred bee priestess. Inform and shift consciousness through your art. Promote healthy living and eating. Public service as a priestess or politician may be your calling. At the very least, you're seeing how all the ways our world is out of balance or direct challenges or violations of goddess ideals or earth-based spirituality. Yes, we must choose between darkness and light, good and evil, oppression and liberation, equality and injustice. We must have balance between environmentalism and deregulation, between rugged individualism versus caring and sharing, left versus right brain thinking, activism versus apathy. What about the imbalance of income and opportunity between the haves and the have-nots? Yes, Gaia, as Mother Nature, teaches us how very important balance is and the cost of imbalance. And I think when we see her weapons, she is telling us we must fight for that which we hold dear and for what we know is right. Friends, we are being called to change the world from the inside out. We aren't talking about tinkering, tinkering around the edges if we want a society that makes decisions based on truth, one that's really fair and balanced, that's just and whole and values and practices equality and peace. If we want to embody goddess, we aren't just the power behind the throne. We are the throne. Remember, it was Isis who granted the pharaoh the right to rule, and she expected him to do so, employing the aspects of the goddess Ma'at, namely justice and truth, and dare I say, fierce compassion too. Isis isn't our only role model. Neither is Mary as intercessor or Our Lady appearing and advising us to wage peace. There is a beautiful tapestry of history out there with many women, and each is a colorful thread making a difference, not just in her own realms, but worldwide. Boudicca, Joan of Arc, Cleopatra, women in the Bible, Hildegard von Bingen, Mother Teresa, Lady Di, Sibyls and Oracles, midwives, women and priestesses of contemporary and ancient times who held life and death in their hands. Consider today's Catholic nuns on the bus making their nationwide bus tour reaching, teaching about the immoral, uh, immorality of extremist Republican budgets and ideology. Women who fought for their rights to control their bodies and fates. Women who suffered for our right to vote, for civil rights, 
and for worker rights and for women who fought the patriarchy of the church, who were burned at the stake or who died for our democracy. We might not always know their names because history was written by the conquering, rich patriarchs, all too often leaving the names of women out of the history books. Every time we're called to the voting booth, will we let the rich patriarchs have their way again? Will we let angry, white, privileged, conservative, billionaire men who are distorting the media, buying our democracy, stacking the deck of the Supreme Court for the benefit of the banks, the corporations, and the 1% who threaten our rights and our futures, will we let them win? Or will enough women and their like-minded brothers find their sacred rage and rise up with their sword and their fierce compassion of Kuan Yin, beating back the dragon so we might have more balance in the world? Goddess doesn't roll over in the face of adversity, and neither should we. Remember, the weapons in the hands of Kuan Yin Remember Kali, Sekhmet, the Morrigan, Nemesis, Artemis, Libertas, Metis, and Isis. We have an obligation to fight for social justice, to set healthy boundaries, to help the world find balance and not be willing victims of patriarchal oppression. When it's time to make a choice, find your sacred rage in your sacred drawer, volunteer, vote, be a civic-minded advocate for truth, sanity, fairness, equality, and social justice. Don't moan that you didn't get everything you wanted. Don't be drawn into the false equivalency that today's Democrats and Republicans are all the same, because they're not. I'm no fan of Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden, but it's not Democrats out there legislating forced vaginal probes be inserted into your vagina against your will. Then, when the election is all over, sit down and have a hard look at yourself. If you haven't already, rediscover your own passion or calling. How are you going to help change the world? As I've said, I'm not talking about tinkering around the edges. I'm not talking about crumbs. What can, can or must you do to help bring the world into balance? What do you feel so strongly about that you would arm yourself with both your own waters of compassion as well as your sword, trident, and quiver of arrows like our compassionate warrior queen, Kuan Yin? <clears throat> what will you tame as Kuan Yin does as she sits upon her lion or puts her foot upon the head of the dragon? Yes. What will you tame? Okay, that is uh, Balance in All Things, Chapter 4. So, uh, next up, we're going to do the Kuan Yin uh, Healing Meditation. So, uh, what I suggest you do is if uh, you haven't already, find a comfortable seat uh, for this meditation. Definitely don't listen to it in the car while you're driving or uh, doing anything challenging. Uh, While you get yourself ready, um, I am going to let you listen to a word from my friend, Laura Perry, and I'll be right back. The Minoans of ancient Crete, an egalitarian society where women were honored, where the sacred feminine was revered, where peace and prosperity reigned for centuries. 
Hi, I'm Laura Perry, and I'd love to help bring the ancient Minoans to life for you. Explore Minoan spirituality with my books, Labyrinth and Horns, and Ariadne's Thread. Embrace your creative side with the Minoan coloring books, and discover the wonders of divination with the Minoan Tarot. You'll find all these at Amazon and other good online and local bookstores. Find out more on my website, lauraperryauthor.com. Well, if you don't know Laura Perry, uh, she has been on my show a number of times, uh, mostly talking about um, reconstruction, reconstructing the Minoan tradition. Uh, but at the end of the month here, she is going to be coming back for a special a weekend doubleheader on April 25th and 26th. Uh, she's a shamanic um, practitioner. Uh, as well as an author and uh, all the other many uh, areas uh, she uh, knows so much about. Uh, And we're going to be talking uh, on Saturday and Sunday, April 25th and 26th, right here on Voices of the Sacred Feminine, about trance work, uh, about trance possession, about channeling the goddess. And uh, I would invite you to join in because I think that is uh, uh, maybe... um, an unserved portion of our priestess work. Um, yeah, I've been reading a book by Janet Farrar, uh, Lifting the Veil, and uh, she did a uh, survey of uh, covens and goddess groups and ritualists, and she asked them, uh, do you really think your high priest or high priestess is drawing down the goddess or god into themselves at ritual? And uh, she was not surprised to learn that I believe it was 95% or 98% of uh, the, the you know, people who participated in these rituals did not think uh, that their, you know, their ritual leader was able to do that. So anyway, we're going to be talking more about this uh, because um, uh, there's some thoughts out there that it's um, maybe a scary thing, um, whether we realize it or not, because of so much influence of Judeo-Christianity, uh, you know, in our in our consciousness. So anyway, uh, you know, mark your calendars if uh, if you have not yet uh, clicked the follow button on the show page here, so you don't miss those uh, those back-to-back. Uh, you know, interviews on on trance work and channeling the the sacred feminine or gods uh, that will be on uh, 5 o'clock Pacific time on Saturday and Sunday, April 25th and 26th right here. You don't want to miss it. Okay, so I hope by now you were able to get yourself to a comfortable spot and uh, ready yourself for this uh, Kuan Yin healing meditation. And remember, when this is over, I will uh, go ahead and um, gift you with um, Lane Redmond's B Mantra, uh, which I believe you'll probably enjoy. And that's kind of our little added treat uh, because it's Easter and spring and the time of Astara. All right, so here we go with the Kuan Yin healing meditation. 
Relax and breathe, keeping your eyes closed. Let the stress and worries of the outside world fade away. They have no place in this room now. If your mind wanders, let it just come back to the sound of my voice. See the images I suggest on the movie screen of your third eye. Breathe. Breathe. Allow yourself to go to that place within, that place that holds the wisdom, that place that holds the vision, that place that connects to the source, that place from where your connection to all life comes from and grows. Breathe. Breathe. Keeping your eyes closed, focus on the sound of my voice and let it be your guide. You see yourself on a sunny beach. The sand under your skin is warm and shifts under your body with each motion. You hear the tide from the ocean very near, rolling in and out with its ebb and flow, ebb and flow. The sound has you mesmerized as you allow yourself to lie there, soaking in the peacefulness of this quiet place. You feel drawn in and notice your breath has become one with the ocean tides. In and out. In and out. You feel as if you were about to doze off when you hear a sweet melody in the distance. It piques your curiosity. You wonder where this sound might be coming from because you thought you were alone in this faraway place. You decide to get up and explore. You gather yourself from this spot on the beach and walk toward the sand dunes rising high behind you. As you climb to the top of the dunes and look between the tall grasses, you can see in the distance a large natural opening in the rocky cliff. You listen to the melody and you're intrigued. You walk closer to the cave entrance. What possibly might be within making this beautiful, ethereal sound, coaxing you forward, tempting you within? In a moment or two, you're standing at the entrance of the cave. You feel the coolness within compared to the warmth of the sun's rays on the beach. The darkness is inviting, and you feel drawn to go within. You feel no sense of danger, only a strange sense of calm, so you allow yourself to go deeper within. You are surprised how your eyes acclimate to the darkness, allowing you to see with ease. It's almost as if there is some natural light that reflects off the shimmering stones you see protruding from the rocks that permeate the cave's interior. The melody continues to invite you within, so you walk deeper, all the while mesmerized by the beauty of this darkness and the sensation that something lies deeper within you must see. 
as you go still deeper. You have no fear about being able to find your way out. The path has been easy. The return leaves no doubt. You focus on the melody, and you are unsure if it is the voice of a woman or the strands of some ethereal instrument. You only know it has you within its sweet embrace. Interestingly, it seems, with each gust of breeze that emanates from within, the sound seems louder, as if the sound is carried on the breath of this place, as if this very cavern is alive. Intrigued and trusting your instincts, you go farther still within the cool and inviting darkness. There is no danger in this place, and you must find the source of this enchanting sound. In a moment, you come upon a larger opening as the cavern becomes brighter, larger, rounder. You notice a glint of something shining on the wall before you, and your eyes strain to focus. As you move closer, you reach out your hand and touch the golden source that seems encrusted in the rocks. Instantly, you jump back as the golden object begins to morph. You can hardly believe the transformation happening before your eyes. You, you stand there spellbound, unable to move, yet you're, you're not afraid. The glint of gold is changing shape and growing and taking form. It is as if you have awakened something from its slumber. You are reminded of unbelievable stories from ancient myths of, of seekers, sailors, and travelers who chance upon the unexplained. And here, you find yourself a player in just such a wondrous story, and you choose to let your mind suspend disbelief. Mesmerized, you stand there and watch the full transformation as the glint of what appeared to be gold slowly materializes in a haze-like mist to reveal the body of a woman clad in shimmering robes. How does she look to you? Look at her. What color is her hair? What does she wear upon her head? Her feet. Can you see what she holds in her hand? Perhaps it appears to be a jar made of the precious stone called alabaster. Your eyes are drawn to the jar now and the gentleness of her hands and eyes. She seems to be speaking to you, yet her lips do not move. You realize the melody you had been hearing is now becoming clearer, distant, and alluring, but without actual words you could understand. You now suddenly realize the melody is actually her voice, and you are slowly coming to understand the language that lives within the magical sounds emanating from her very being. Transfixed on her golden form, you look closer, listening and trying to take in every detail because you know this experience is a very special gift. You let your eyes gaze upon her from head to toe. You see her golden form begin to glow and the shimmer begins to spread toward you as if you are magically being embraced in her golden essence. 
you feel its warmth and you breathe deeply on instinct, soaking in that which is being given to you. You begin to realize this great mother is healing you of that which has tormented you. You feel that which gave you angst, pain, worry, fear, and dread. You realize it's subsiding. As this revelation becomes more real, you seem to be guided to focus on that which was broken when you entered the cave. Perhaps your wounds were obvious, perhaps not, but you were being shown in the presence of this goddess you had the ability to overcome and heal. In that moment, still in her golden embrace, you notice her fingers are reaching within the alabaster jar. Then she touches you to anoint your forehead. Her words until now had been soothing, a healing melody, but now they clearly take shape as she says to you, I heal thee, my child, with this sacred salve. Never doubt your wounds can be healed. Never doubt the love I have in my heart for you, for I have created you and wish you joy and happiness. Go forth now. Live your life to its fullest. Follow your dreams. And remember, I am always here for you. As you take in her words, look again at this golden goddess. What do you see? How do you feel here in her presence? Savor savor this moment and burn it into your memory allow the sensations of this moment to overtake you bask in her golden glow close your eyes and take in the healing and love she offers you feel it to your very core breathe it in and listen Close your eyes and hear if there are any other words or messages she offers you now. You notice that the golden glow that embraced you is beginning to fade. It is receding back toward the golden form of the great she. You still feel her smile upon you. You feel her essence, but her shape is becoming faint and formless. Within a few minutes, there is only the golden glint embedded within the rocks, and her voice is once again the natural melody on the wind that lives within this womb-like cavern. You understand your audience has come to an end, but you know this is a place you can return anytime you need her golden touch, her loving embrace, her healing and guidance. You turn around and begin to retrace your steps back toward the mouth of the cave. You breathe in deeply remembering the faint melody that once called you with such urgency. 
you understand that she knew you needed her, and so she revealed herself to you. You reawakened her in your time of need, in your time of seeking, in your time of doubt. Soon you see the rays of the bright sunshine before you. Once again, the only sounds you hear are the ebb and flow of the ocean beyond. You step out into the brightness of day, and you are awakened. You are back here in this room where your journey began. Open your eyes now if you can. Shake your hands. Move your feet. Shake your feet. Make your ankles go round and round, left and right, left and right. Say your name out loud. Bring yourself back from the sacred journey, refreshed, invigorated, and confident in your ability to call upon the essence you experienced in these past moments whenever the need arises. Blessed be. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. And uh, I will be doing this again next month. And uh, next month, the month of May, uh, the topic will be our real wealth. And then in June, it will be the fires of transformation. Each of these uh, inspirational messages will be followed by a meditation, just like we did today. And this is all from the book, God is Calling, uh, including the meditation, which is found on page 152. So, uh, to close out today, I'm going to go ahead and I'll let you listen to Lane Redmond's B Mantra. It's about nine minutes. So, uh, no need to uh, get up and rush away. Uh, enjoy this. And... Um, then I hope you go about the rest of your day and week uh, in, a, in a positive, uplifted, hopeful frame of mind. Here we go. <laughs> 